the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And welcomed us. That's that same Greek word that says accept one another, but it's on steroids. They proslabanoed us. They welcomed us. I mean, they reached out. They worked. They wanted to make sure that we felt, Paul is saying, that we were accepted by them. And watch this. We were safe, that they weren't going to kill us or beat us up or maim us or starve us or torture us. They wanted to communicate the fact that we know you've got a problem and we want to help you with it. What was the problem? It goes on to say, they did this to all of us because... It was raining and cold. So even these unsaved, low-life type people still had a degree of human dignity to show honor and acceptance to someone who had some physical needs because they were wet from the shipwreck. It was rainy. They stayed wet. And it was cold. Have you ever been someplace where that the rain just slapped up against you and you felt so cold and you just were shivering so badly? It's hard to believe that here in Hawaii. Last night we took a couple out for dinner and they had gone to the island of Kauai and while they were there they went on one of these little river raft things and when they did there was this huge waterfall and we saw pictures of it. They said nobody else wanted to get in the water and we did so we stood underneath this waterfall like they show in all these travel shots. They said, you notice those people frolicking around in that? And I said, yeah, I, I have. It looks so cool. He says, no, it's not cool. It is ice cold and miserable, you know. Well, I can imagine it was ice cold and miserable for the Apostle Paul but these people welcomed them in. So maybe you go down memory lane. Can you remember someone that was different than you or maybe the other way around? You were different from them, but they showed you no little kindness. And they did something to you to relieve any discomfort that you might have had. Maybe your discomfort wasn't that you were cold and shivering. Maybe your discomfort was you always felt like you were on the outside and nobody liked you or nobody knew you and you were very embarrassed where you were, but this person said, I don't want you to feel like you're alone. And they kept up with you. They checked on you. They made sure that you felt safe, secure, loved, and accepted. Well, I can't get past the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe the best way I could do that is just read this verse. Jesus says this. He says, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So let's just put it in our language. When we look at someone who's a little different, thinks a little differently than we do, says things a little differently than we say, but if we receive them, it's to remind us that Jesus received us. And when we receive him or her, then it's like we're receiving Christ. And if we're receiving Christ, the scripture says, then we're receiving God. So probably one of the closest thing to being godly is to be so receptive of people who might be a little different than you are. Maybe, um, like one person said, I, I, I think this is really, really classic. It was W.B. Riley, 
who was one of the founders of Northwestern School, the school that Jim Cook had gotten his degree from. W.B. Riley said this. He said, don't run from something that you hear for the first time that you don't agree with too quickly because that person really may be right. So it doesn't mean you have to swallow everything they give you, but it does mean when you hear something, accept the person, work it through, take the time, study it, work it out, decide what hills are the hills you're going to fuss over and the hills you're going to spill blood over and the hills you're going to die over, but don't make every little fuss over hill a hill to die over as well. Otherwise, where are you going to be with life? Where are you going to be with people? At the end of your life, who will you have in it? So, again, the idea is to follow Christ as he is our wonderful example of doing that. Now, if you don't mind, I want to just kind of give you a little pro-future thing. I know this is being recorded and it's going to be on for a long time on the radio all over the country. So, you folks that are listening, if you don't mind me speaking to you, I'm going to talk about an upcoming event this church is going to have. This may not relate to you, but I want you to listen because you can still use it. In a few months, our church here is going to have its jubilee, its 50th anniversary. You can think of how many churches have not lasted that long. Think of how many churches that have lasted that long that probably shouldn't have lasted. I mean, they're still fighting. They're, all, they're, they're just not doing anything for God. This church is really going to celebrate that. We're getting the word out now, and I'm very amazed at how many of what I call alumni, these are your former members, these are the ones that moved off island for whatever reason. They're, they're wanting to come to be a part of this. I think there's a lot of good reasons for everybody to be a part of this event. One is it gives us a golden opportunity by God to emphasize the faithfulness of God. So that is the entire theme of our Jubilee, the faithfulness of God. But that's pretty broad stroke, the faithfulness of God, especially when you talk about 50 years. That's a timeline. So we're going to have Jim Cook, who's the founding pastor. He's going to speak on the faithfulness of God on Saturday night at the banquet. And I'll come back to that in a moment. This is not so much an advertisement as an illustration. I'll show you what I mean in a moment. Then on Sunday, we're going to have a much different type of morning than we normally have here. Why? It's a different kind of event. Yes, we will worship the Word of God. You'll get plenty of the Word of God. There will be wonderful celebrative music here, plenty of fellowship, and don't worry, we will have food. So, that being the case, at 9 o'clock, we're going to have the wonderful breakfast we normally have, add a little bit more to it. We're going to have all the booths of the missionaries out here. We're going to have those that have uh, ministries in the church have their booths out. I know you're busy. I know things are happening. But by doing this, you're able to celebrate visually what, what other people are doing so that we can see God in the events, not just hearing it existentially, so to speak. And then at 10 o'clock, we're all going to come in here. We're going to have a wonderful service then. And it's going to be pretty much divided in two parts, but not so chop-chop. The first part of that, I'm going to speak on the faithfulness of God in the present. What God has really been doing in our midst. And oh, the Lord is here. He's done so many wonderful things. Well, I'll save that for that. But the last message of the three, because you have to have faithfulness of God in the past, faithfulness of God in the present, then what do you have to have? Faithfulness of God in the what? In the future. Well, what better person to speak than the new senior pastor that will be here? And so when he speaks... He's going to speak on the faithfulness of God in the future. So between the time I speak and then bleeding into his time, we are then going to have, and I hope you're here to see this if you haven't seen it before, we're going to have an installation service. Now, there's nothing magical or mystical, but there is a point of reference. There's a point of time to say, you are now really our pastor. We're going to have something very special that encapsulates his time, the new pastor's time. 
of now receiving that call to be here, the physical call, not the call to pastoring or call to preaching or call to the ministry, but the call of all of that to us here will happen at that wonderful time in the morning. And then when we're finished with that, what are we going to do again? What do all good Christians do? We go eat. So we'll go back into the fellowship hall, and that time the missionaries are going to get a chance to share. Now I'm telling you this, now you're hearing it as an advertisement for an event. That's not where I'm going. Where I'm going is simply this. We're really going to need to accept these people that are coming to the island. Some of them will need a place to stay. They're not going to stay for months or years. They just need a few days to crash at your place, which may mean that you might have to kind of change some things around in your house to take them in. I'm not going to embarrass you by coming to you and putting you on the spot. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to maybe work in your heart of opening up your heart to receive them through Ho'okipa hospitality. And then perhaps there'll be a time we're going to do the banquet here. The banquet will look very much like the Night of Delights. Uh, not exactly, but pretty similar. It's going to be a wonderful experience in here. But we can only fit a certain amount of people in here. There's trade-offs between going other places or having it in two different locations, etc. But the team very wisely and prayerfully decided we're going to do this and we're going to get our tickets and we're going to sell them as quickly as we can. We're going to hold back some for our guests and, of course, for our missionaries and our speakers. That being said, I hope every one of you would come to celebrate the first night to be able to hear Dr. Jim Cook, the founder. But it also may mean that we'll sell out of tickets and we'll have too many other people in line and I might then suggest that some of you that are so gracious and kind, you might say, you know what, I'm going to come to the event, but I'll serve, I'll let them have my ticket, I'll give my ticket back and let them sell it to the next person. It's not free, can't afford to do that with the kind of food we're having. But at the same time, I want you to know this is our opportunity to accept people in with a sacrifice to us to add value to them. And I'm going to be um, so blessed when I'm observing all of us, me too, Carol too, to do what we can to add value to them throughout the entire event. And that's not even to mention what happens the next weekend at camp when it's the afterglow of all the events and a good time together. So I hope that you set that aside for the purpose of demonstrating what you're hearing this morning from God's Word about accepting people. You accept the weak and we accept one another to do that. Now I want to go to number two. and th These are not quite as lengthy. They're longer verses, but I think I can explain them a little bit more quickly to you. First of all, it's what I call God's great promise. Verses 8 through 12 is really filled with just rich, deep theology and concepts all about the church and the Jews from when they were uh, started by God and the Gentiles. And I could even bring it into the conflict in the Middle East today between the Jews and the, and the Arabs and the Muslims and all of that that's out there. And then how it can even bleed over into America today. It's all in here. So let me read the passage and then I'm going to kind of explain very quickly what this means. And you're wondering, why would he do something so simple and practical in the first few verses, and now he's so deep and rich in theology? Now, look up here for a second. This is so God, it, it just, it's so easy. When God wants us to do something outward on a practical level, it is always built upon the foundation of theology and doctrine. And so while he's telling us to do this, he's reminding us that there is a much bigger picture here. That's why when you end up listening to messages, you don't want three points in a poem and a hula. You want to have the deep teaching of God's Word with practical application as well. So let's go into this very quickly, shall we? Let me just read it to you. Lean as much of your thinking into this as you can. And I'm going to read it slowly so you can kind of grasp the truths that are swirling around each one of these. Verse 8, it says, Paul writing, 
For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Now he's going to quote Old Testament. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again he says, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who rises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles have hope. All right, let me say it, and then I'm going to read a quote that will probably say it more clearly than I'm about to say it to you. What all of this is simply saying is it goes way back is that God is a uniter, not necessarily a divider. Truth will unite, but truth will also divide, and that's based upon what people want to do with the truth. That's what makes the division. It is God's desire that all the nations, that means every people group anywhere in the world, Jew, Gentile, it is his desire that all of them would be blessed. But he doesn't throw out, be blessed any way you want. He says, this is how you're blessed. So he begins by then starting a people group, known as the Jews and with the Jews then he gives them the promise that through them they'll have their land they'll have a sense of place they're also going to have the message of the gospel they're also going to have from them all the nations being blessed through the coming Messiah now that as you begin to read through what we call progressive revelation so the Jews were given a tremendous promise they're a special called out people group by God started by God now you have the Gentiles over here. He didn't leave the Gentiles out except that he didn't give the promise that through them necessarily all the nations of the world would be blessed. The Messiah wouldn't come through. Gentiles. However, it was the fact that he says, I love you Gentiles too and I too want you to be a part of the nations being blessed and you will be blessed because these Jews here that are given this message, it isn't for them, us for no more, shut the door. That message is given to them that they then propagate through the rest of the world, which now will include Gentiles. So the idea now is to bring Jew and Gentile together through the person and the work of Jesus Christ so that they would all come together in one. Now, if you want to bleed it in today's um, newspaper, you can certainly read that you got the Jews against... Uh, the Arabs, the Arabs against the Jews, we kind of know why. And we can do all the peace talks in the world. We can try to do all the uh, capitulations. We can have all the compromises that we want. None of that will be sustainable for the long haul in any way. The only way that you'll bring Jew and Gentile together is that out of this group, God creates a third entity, which is the church made up of believers. Jewish believers, they don't stop being Jews. The Gentiles don't become Jews actually Spiritually, they will when they trust Christ as Savior. They all become one now through Christ. Now, you're saying, whoa, that is so heavy. Yeah, I wish I had more time. Let me read this to you and I'll show you how it applies and we'll go to the last point and we'll be done. This is coming out of John MacArthur's commentary on Romans. I went through about eight commentaries over this passage because I wanted to make sure I could explain as clearly as I could. His was the best quote. Can I read it to you? Now listen, you'll understand what we're saying here. And again... The great promise of bringing them together is through accepting Christ and then accepting one another for the purpose of Christ. Now let me go on. MacArthur writes this. He says, In light of the magnificent, gracious, and sovereign plan of God disclosed in part in his ancient revelation to Israel, that means the Old Testament, Jews can have no grudge against the Gentiles. Why? Because their calling, their very purpose for existing 
was to reach Gentiles for the glory of the Lord. The Gentiles can have no grudge against the Jews. Because it was through the Jews that God brought them salvation. So can you see in God's mighty plan that he knew that we would have a fractured humanity, that he loved people so much that he devised a plan by which we all could be united around Jesus Christ. Now let's come up for air. That's a lot of heavy theology, I know. But he's saying this is how it's done between nations and people groups for millenniums. This is how you could do it with your wife, your husband. This is how you can do it with your fellow church member. This is how you can do it with your son or your daughter, your mom or your dad or your neighbor who lives next door. That there can come together that special acceptance. And we more so perhaps because we're a Christian. We've been given the acceptance by God. And so even if the world never does accept us and really won't, it's okay. I live with that. I'm disappointed. I get hurt. I have feelings. But it's okay because I am accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because I have accepted Him as my Savior by faith in Him. So I hope that might keep you in mind because this is really saying if God can bring together two of the most opposing enemies in the person and work of Jesus Christ, can't we come together with one another in Christ? I pray so. Last little tidbit for you guys that want a little bit more. Um, he's quoting from three different entities. The Psalms, the Prophets, and the Law. Four different people in the Old Testament, three different divisions. The Psalms, the Prophet, and the Law. Now, why is that so significant? He's trying to tell you the embodiment of truth of the Old Testament. God spoke in that Old Testament. All of that fits right now to rejoice with one another by accepting each other and where we are. All right, let's give you number three. This is the third. We talked about Christ as our pattern. We talked about uh, God being um, our great promise. But now I put here our great petition. And I could have put Paul's great petition because technically in the context, it's Paul who is praying this prayer. But the reason I put our here is because I'm hoping that you and I as a faith family would pray the same prayer that Paul prayed and that we could pray the same prayer that Paul prayed. It would be referred to as a benediction. It's like me closing the morning worship service. And here's what he says. Now, now that I've given you all this truth about harmony in the body of Christ, accepting one another, building up one another, pleasing one another, rejoicing with one another, he says, now may the God of hope fill you. I love that word, fill you. You know when you're filled with anger, you know what rage does to you. When you're filled with a fever, you know your body aches. Well, now you're filled with hope. And then he said, the God of hope will fill you with all joy. Underline that word. All joy and peace in believing. Remember, our Christian life has started with faith alone in Christ alone. And with that same faith, we walk in Him. Then it says, so that you will. In other words, if God fills us, and the God of hope fills us with all joy and peace, so that we will abound in hope by the power of God the Holy Spirit. I love that. The God of hope is in me. Now I abound with his hope. And now what that calls me to have is joy and peace. So if you have your Bible here, I want you to circle these words. Real simple. Circle the word joy, peace, and hope. And right next to your margin, just write the word Christmas. Now why do I say that? How many Christmas cards do you recall getting over the history of receiving Christmas cards, and maybe you sent some, that on the Christmas card it says somewhere, peace, joy, and hope. Have you ever seen any Christmas cards like that? Raise your hand if you have. All right, so I want to know who I got them from. All right, so anyway, uh, the point still being, 
is that it's all wrapped up in believing and in Christ, and it's that joy that we have. And that's why I wanted to bring this message to a close today on the harmony that we can have. And the harmony that we have is not forced harmony where we kind of have to disagree, but we all sit in the same room and we're made to listen to the same message, so therefore we have harmony. No. Events and calendar and dates on a calendar does not bring about harmony. It may bring us together at that moment physically, but now to us unite spiritually, to unite socially, tonight to unite around each other in such a way as to bring glory to the Lord, that's going to come when we realize Christ has accepted me, I've accepted him, therefore I'm going to accept one another, the weak and everybody. I'm committed to building them up, but also allowing them to build me up. I'm going to live my life to please others biblically, all right, and at the same time allow them to please me a little bit, and I'm going to be very easy to please and be very grateful, but at the same time I also want to have a life where I'm going to be rejoicing because we are together around the same person of Christ. I wrote someone an email recently, and this is what I'll close with. You and I, um, we believe in the same Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I, we have the same message, the gospel and the word of God. Why? Because everyone has the same need. Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> I love every one of you so very, very much. But let now the arms of Jesus Christ wrap your wrap around your soul, your emotions, your mind right now. And all that he is expecting us to do and commanding us to do, remember it's all doable because he, the God of all hope, lives in each one of us. On the other hand, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, in other words, you haven't accepted, you haven't received him, by faith in Him alone and not by your works, you just come to Him as a broken person needing a Savior, then all that I'm saying might sound good to you, but it's not sustainable for you until you trust Christ as Savior. So I pray that you'll realize that you're a sinner. We all are. I am too. And that Jesus died and He rose again. And for Him to die and rise again, He had to be born. That's why we're doing Christmas, remembering His birth. So he could celebrate his life and be glorified with his death and resurrection. So again, how about some of you, those that know Christ as Savior? Will you choose to receive, and you put a person's name there in your mind, and maybe pick out that irregular person in your life. Someone who doesn't always think the same way you do, or speaks the same way you do. But will you choose to receive them like Christ received you? And you can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So lean on Him. The second, will you build up all those that you do receive? In other words, it's not just because uh, you like them and you want to hang with them so you can go fishing with them or go shopping with them or they're in your club or clique or study or group. No, you're receiving them for a greater reason. Not so much that you have social things in common as much as you have the passion for Christ hopefully in common where that maybe inside of you you want to do it to bring glory to the Lord and so your purpose of doing all the social things has a higher purpose which is to glorify the Lord only through building up those that you come in contact with how many of you you'll please all those that you do seek to build up and not always to please yourself 
it may cost you a ticket into a special dinner. It may cost you sleeping on a pallet so someone sleeps in your bed. It may cost you doubling up with your car so someone who has a, a brief need can drive your car. It may cause you to have to work twice as hard to keep up with the schedule or offload some things so you can onload some great things knowing that it's just a short time. I, I can't give you all the illustrations and examples for application but I can plead with you let the Spirit of God reveal them to you where you are now and for all of us for the rest of our life. And then will you rejoice with all those that you do seek to please so that we too can praise God together as a family. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your examples in Scripture of these great truths. I thank you for your power. For Father, there's no way we can keep up doing this the rest of our life, these great truths, without his sufficiency. Because Father, without your sufficiency, our efficiency is deficiency. Now, Father, I pray that if anyone listening to my voice have not trusted you as Savior, I pray that more than anything they would receive you. You'd be the first one they would receive into their life by placing their faith alone in you. And then celebrate the fact that you have received them just the way they are because you've forgiven them of all their sin. But you will not, Father, leave them there. That all of us you will build up. All of us you will seek ways to bring pleasure to us because you love us so that together we can rejoice in you for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.